Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today is a special episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You because we're talking a very special woman, Jane Pratt. Hooray! Hooray! Yes, Jane Pratt was the founding editor of Sassy Magazine, which launched in 1988. By the way, she was 24 when she got the job. Yeah. And Sassy was kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's like a touchstone for our our generation, I feel like. Well, especially our generation of women. Yes. It was like one of the first, if not the first, kind of alternative magazine for young women. Because you had things like Seventeen and Teen and then Cosmopolitan. Mm Mm-hmm. But then there came Sassy. Yeah. And following Sassy came Jane Magazine, which I was also super, super into as a young woman. Yeah. It launched in 1994 after Sassy folded. And most recently, Jane Pratt launched a few years back, Exo Jane. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Exo Jane focuses on first person essays. Um, The classic kind of tagline for a lot of them is it happened to me. Mm -hmm. And it's all sorts of stories um, about things that have happened to young women and some men as well. Uh, But we were really excited to have a chance to talk to Jane just about her observations of Young women over the years, the issues that affect us, how feminism has influenced her career, and also whether she's ever going to bring back Sassy. Ooh. Yeah. So without further ado, let's hear from Jane herself. So Jane Pratt, for our listeners who have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, could you just briefly introduce yourself and talk about all the incredible things that you do? <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I'm Jane Pratt and I am currently um, editor in chief of exojane.com and also oversee exovane, which is a beauty uh, offshoot of exovane. Um, before this, I had two magazines, one called Jane and one before that called Sassy. I've been around doing the same basic thing in different media for many, many, many years. Well, and that leads me to my first big question for you, which was since launching Sassy in, I believe, 1988, and now with Exo Jane, have the kinds of issues and sort of (laughs) womanhood conundrums, to coin an awkward phrase, changed in what you've heard from your contributors and writers and editors over the years? Is today's young woman that different from the young woman of the early 90s, say? So I think one of the differences is about pressures on on women to do everything. Um, I think it used to be kind of this glorious, like, oh, you can, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, and that was like the greatest thing that you could tell your daughter, you know, that she could do whatever she wanted. But now I think that um, you have to be really careful to say, like, you don't have to do absolutely everything. Um, and then also um, also to be honest about the fact that there are still glass ceilings. You know, what did I just see the other day, the um, 400 wealthiest CEOs or whatever, or 200? Mm-hmm. And it was how many of them were women? It was like 
11 of them were women or something like that, you know, so there still is a long way to go. But I think that, um, the, the one, one thing that I think hasn't changed is that, um, is that most women I think are still a lot smarter than, than they give away on the outside. And I'm sort of surprised that that hasn't, um, that we haven't evolved past that to where women can just be as, and, and girls especially, can just be as open about how much is really going on in their minds as is true. Why do you think that is in terms of the, that perhaps we're still not as socially free to be, you know, an, an open, honest, forthright woman, sort of like what you're, you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that women still share a lot of their really uh, deepest selves and most intelligent selves with other women. But I think that um, I think that when men are around, I think there still is this idea that you, you might want to downplay that if you're interested in being with one of those men, for one thing. You know, I, I think there still is, like, a little bit of that crazy, like, you know, build like put yourself down to build them up kind of mentality. I see it. It's sad to me, but I still, still do see it. Well, speaking to that pressure that you've witnessed among, especially girls of this generation, and also to the fact that we might communicate to each other a little bit differently than we might when men and men are in the room. How do you see Exo Jane sort of fitting into that, especially because the tagline has to do with, you know, where women go to be selfish and where selfishness is applauded. Yeah. I love this idea with Exogene of doing, of creating this space where women can talk to each other as though there are no men in the room. And also not just no men, but no kids, no teachers, no parents, no bosses, know anybody that you would try to put on a certain front for, and it's where you go and you're your unabashed self. You're just like, this is really what's on my mind. This is what I really want. And then we do get, um, we have gotten um, a good portion of, uh, well, I think it's about 15% male readers now who, who will say, you know, that when they go to Exogene, they see what women really talk about when they're not in the room. So it's not, it's not like Cosmo or something where it's kind of like a major men version of what women talk about. How do those men tend to respond to hearing what women really talk about? Are they usually a little surprised and shocked? Yeah, they get, they get kind of taken aback. They say it's, it's really educational, sometimes kind of shocking. Um, and then they'll, but then they get really addicted to it and then they'll just keep coming back and back and back. At first, they'll make an excuse, like they'll say that, oh, it was open on my girlfriend's laptop or whatever, you know, but then they'll, then they have to fess up when they're in the comments every day and when they're quoting things from that, that ran, you know, at the very end of an article the day before, you're like, you read that entire thing. You didn't need to do that. Now, Exo Jane has published so many fascinating, hilarious, some even heartbreaking first person essays. And I was wondering if there were any that come to mind that have really made a strong impression on you. Yeah, wow. Um, definitely. I mean, one of the formats that we have um, for publishing those first-person essays is It Happened to Me, 
which is something that I actually started back in Sassy Magazine. And um, it's a, a place where people can tell tell their stories about something. I always say everybody has at least one really strong that happened to me in them. Usually it's a story that they wouldn't just tell at a cocktail party or whatever. It's a deep, you know, something that's affected them deeply. And um, the funny thing is, like, the, the first one of those we ever did in Sassy, um, it wasn't at that time, so um, there wasn't that much first-person writing and reporting at that time as there is now with blogs and everything. So um, for the first one, I actually had to get my sister to write it um, under a pseudonym to write, yeah, about um, an abortion that she had had because I couldn't find people who were just willing to put their stories out there in that way. So, and now, cut to, you know, cut to today, and we get, oh gosh, hundreds of submissions to it happen to me at ExoJane every week, like hundreds of people wanting to tell their personal stories. And I feel like we've made it a safe place for them to do that, a non-judgmental zone where they feel like they can do that. I'm thinking some of the ones that have really stood out to me, um, it's a big range, like, I think that we've gotten we've gotten a fair amount of attention on exogene for the ones uh, where we've gotten somebody, who, a woman who was in the middle of a media maelstrom to tell her version of the story, like Daisy Coleman, for example, who was um, the uh, the rape victim who had not ever she hadn't told her own story, and then she came and did that on exogene. That was wonderful. Also, a woman um, who outed the, um, well, it's another rape theme, but another, a woman who outed the uh, Steubenville rapists, um, she was also, she also wrote for us, and um, that was really powerful. We've had a lot like that. Um, one that we got a lot of attention for was Belle Knox, who, um, uh, she's a porn star who was putting herself through Duke University. Coincidentally, I, I never even said this, but I grew up on that Duke University campus. Both my parents taught there, too. So I kept imagining every time I was, yeah, when I met her and every time I was reading these, I was like, oh, wow, interesting. But anyway, yeah, so that, but that's another version of a woman telling her real true story, and, and we got a huge reaction to that. Well, I feel like this so-called confessional writing, sort of in the style of It Happened to Me, often gets criticized as just being, like, too self-absorbed, but clearly there is a purpose for it. Like, you know, there's, there's a, not just the therapy on the, on behalf of the writer, like being able to get these feelings out, but also for the reader. So I was wondering from you too, like, what do you feel is, is the big value of that kind of confessional first person writing? Yeah. So I think the value in, in that is removing shame. I think that if I come out or any, anybody comes out and says, okay, this is what I really did that I'm, that a lot of people would shame me for doing. And um, then other people can read that and go, wow, I, I also, I do the same thing, and I was keeping it to myself because I felt so ashamed of it. And let's just get it out in the open because there's that, you know, that A expression like you're only as sick as your secrets or whatever. It's like if you can get it out and share it with other people, then you, then, uh, you, then you, feel, you feel better about yourself and you can move forward from it. Um. This is a, a much broader question, but how has feminism informed your career and Exo Jane? Yeah, um, I well, I grew up with a 
mom that read um, the very first issues of Ms. Magazine. And I remember um, when she'd get it and there was a section in it on different paper stock that was free stories for free children or something, and I would get those and I would, like, look at them. And so I was very much – oh, and also we, we would go and uh, march on Washington pretty regularly, wearing all white with my mom and her friends, that I'd be there, I'd be the kid, you know, walking along with them. So I very much grew up being proud of being a feminist, and um, and that ha- that informs every single thing that I do. Um, it's surprising to me in many ways that still, um, now so many years later, you still have. It seems like with each new generation, you have to kind of show them again that feminism is not a bad word. That it's not something to be um, that that all those connotations that people put on it of being you know being militant or angry or hating men or all that stuff that that's not at all what it means you know it's it's um, it's it's being I think of it as being like a girl's girl which is my favorite type of person you know just somebody who is who really likes to bring other women up and support them and make them feel better about themselves and make them feel more beautiful and funnier and all that stuff. I mean, I just think that that's like, I don't know, the way to live (laughs) for me. What do you think it might take for more girls to more commonly embrace the term feminism or the like self label as feminist? Because there's, they're being told so often messages of just general empowerment, but there doesn't seem to be, it seems like we still need to bridge that gap. I totally agree. And sometimes I think, well, how, sometimes I think how important is it if they are living by the ideals of feminism and they benefited from what early feminists did and they continue to help other women to get ahead and all that stuff then maybe whether they call themselves feminists or not may not be the most important. I don't know. It's funny because I have um, one of my my uh, top editors on ExoJane, Emily McCombs, who's just truly awesome, does not um, identify herself as a feminist in the same way that I do. And she doesn't feel like um, ExoJane is a – she wouldn't label it a feminist site, even though I would. But you know what? We want the same things. We, we both want it to be a very empowering, supportive place for all women to visit. So it's, sometimes I wonder if the name is, you know, if the label's that important. Well, Jane, since this podcast is called Stuff Mom Never Told You, and you have a daughter, I want to know what kind of things you are telling her, what kind of advice you're passing along about growing up, being a woman, etc. Yeah. I, um, okay. I, well, first of all, I gotta say that I'm at this phase right now where I am thoroughly embarrassing to my daughter. She doesn't think I'm cool at all. Twice this week, she did not let me walk into the school with her. Once because of the shirt I was wearing. Another time because of the shoes. Yes. So, okay, I'm dealing with that where I, I worry sometimes that if I say too much, that she's gonna take it and go the other way with it. But, um, but, what do I tell her? I, I mostly I do uh, I do a lot of listening, and I'm I'm in heaven whenever she's whenever she's opening up to me. Um, the things I tell her, I tell her that. Okay, here's one thing. When I was doing Sassy Magazine, so I was I was in my early mid twenties, 
And we had all these um, moms would write me letters and say, if you had a daughter, you would not be publishing this kind of information for young women. You would not be giving them birth control information. You would not be talking to them about STDs. You would not be uh, giving them all this kind of um, very uh, telling them so much at such a young age. So I always wondered, I always thought, when my daughter grows up and is in that basic age range, am I going to feel more conservative about what kind of information I want to share with her? Um, no, not at all. Like, I would be so happy if there were a sassy around today that she could read. So I feel like I'm her sassy. So I give her all that information, all the, you know, any questions about sex, anything like that, I'm right there. That's fantastic. Well, and especially for kids today, if you don't tell them, they have the Internet. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, yeah, that's exactly right. It used to be like the fear was, you know, you hear it from your friends in the schoolyard. But now it's like just get on there and, you know, see tons and tons and tons of really, really bad information. Yeah, and you can't guarantee that she will go to exojane.com, you know, to get a better perspective on things. No, and some people are actually horrified that I that I let her read exojane.com. But the truth is she doesn't um, – I don't really have a whole lot of say over what she reads or doesn't read because she's so much more tech savvy than I am that she's actually like hacked into my um, commenting profile on ExoJane and said like to the readers, you know, tell um, my mom that it's time for her to get the puppy already or whatever it is. She's done that a few times. Yeah. She's smart. <laughs> she's a smart. Yeah, she's smart. Well, this is just a side note question, but I'm just curious if you ever get tired of people asking you in every single interview when you're going to revive Sassy or if that will happen. Oh, no, because I still want to do it. I still think it would be amazing. And, you know, as, as my daughter Charlotte is, she's 11 now, and I really feel like I want something like that for her. And there are other things that do a lot of what Sassy did, but, um, but not, not exactly the same, not with the same spirit. Yeah. So, no, I'd be thrilled to do that. I still also want to start one, by the way, for older women, too. I still think that there should be a print magazine for the next age group, uh, like for, for women. That, I mean, there is there's more magazine, but I think that there should be something that's really progressive um, for women, like, yeah, 40 plus. Well, speaking of which, uh, those are all the questions that I sent to Laura for you. But are there any things that I haven't asked you about specifically, future plans, things we can look forward to from Exo Jane and Jane Pratt? Um, you know, we do those things to, to, um, to try to, to also, um, in, in the spirit of empowering other women and making them feel good about themselves just the way that they are, we've done those things like, um, uh, like taking a picture of our face when we first woke up in the morning and putting it on putting it on the site, having other women do that or whatever. So we're actually, because it's like, because we, we started this thing where we said um, we wanted to get that label bikini body. We wanted to take that and go, what is a bikini body anyway? It's the body that you put into a bikini. That's it. So we're all going to get together and um, take a picture of all of us in our bikinis and put it on the site and challenge other women to do the same thing. I think that's great. 
<laughs> I can't promise that my co-host Caroline would do it with me, but I I would do that. I think that women need to see more just bodies. Exactly. Well, thanks so, so much to Jane Pratt and the XO Jane staffers who helped set up this interview. She was a lot of fun to talk to, and I hope a lot of fun to listen to as well. So, Caroline, if today you had to write an It Happened to Me XO Jane essay, what would it be? Well, right off the top of my head, I'm I, like, I have so many humiliating things that have happened to me and that I have caused to happen to me in my life. I don't know. I, maybe I could write one that uh, it happened to me. I was jealous of my dog. What kind of dog and why were you jealous? Uh, it was a stray that my parents adopted when I was like five and I was an only child. Keep in mind. And I was always the apple of my parents' eye. And suddenly there was this cute little black dog in the house. And while I loved it because I loved animals, I was also insanely jealous. And so I would, like, push it out of its bed to sleep in the dog bed. And I would push it off the sofa and stuff. And my parents finally had to give it to their contractor. Caroline, I can sense some lingering to stay in your voice because you haven't <laughs> you haven't even referred to the dog by its name. What was its name? Beasley. Beasley. Oh, Beasley. Oh, Beasley. Oh, man, that's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I could think of some other crazy, crazy Caroline Child things. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so many. I think uh, along those similar lines. The, the first thing that pops into my head is, uh, it happened to me. I was a childhood sleepwalker. Oh. Yeah. That was a weird phase. Just, just bits, bits and pieces of memories. <laughs> so anyway, thanks again so much to Jane Pratt for taking the time to talk with us. And I hope that there is some form of sassy that launches. And hey, Jane, if you're listening, I'm just going to put this out there. If you're looking for some crackerjack, women writers, reporters, editors, whatever. We know some people. Us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's us. So with that, if there are any Exo Jane, Sassy, Jane Pratt, etc. fans out there who want to write in, let us know. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or send us a message on Facebook. And we have a couple of messages to share with you. Right now. Well, I have a Facebook message from a little while back from Carrie who writes, Thank you, thank you, thank you, in all caps, for addressing the issue of body shaming, particularly thin shaming. I completely agree with you when you said that this isn't an issue that has been a topic of conversation until recently, but it's something I've struggled with my entire life. I'm 26 years old, 5'1", and 95 pounds. Growing up, my mom always encouraged me to feel good about my petite figure and embrace it, even when all the girls around me were getting the curves I wanted. I've dealt with the long-standing internal struggle of feeling good about my body, but also torn between being envious of curvier women and guilty when my friends complain about their weight and make me feel bad for being naturally skinny. They can complain about being bigger, but God forbid I say anything negative about being small. This all came to a head for me about four years ago when I went to see my doctor for a physical exam. She came straight out and asked me if I was anorexic. When I told her that I wasn't and that I eat well, but I've always been small, she pressed the issue by asking me if I have a problem with food and suggested that I, quote, try eating. I haven't been back to a doctor since. Real women have curves? How about real women are just women? Well, thanks, Carrie. 
Well, I have a message here from Marilee responding to a video that Kristen did about saying no to sex. And she says, thank you for posting this. It took me a long time to realize that I could say no. I grew up in a house where it was easier to ignore topics like sex than to actually talk about it. That attitude, mixed with having been molested, truly warped my views on sex. It was just something that men wanted from me and enjoyed, but none too often I felt obligated. It wasn't until I was in college that the idea was even mentioned to me. I was closing up the calzone shop I worked for with a girlfriend, saying that I could just walk to my dorm. I didn't want to call my then-boyfriend because I knew he would just want to have sex and it would be unfair to say no. My friend lost it, saying that I could always say no if I didn't want to. Such a simple concept I had never actually even faced before. Today, I have a much healthier grasp on my life, both sexually and mentally. Not just because of my friend's rant, but also from meeting my now significant other slash father of my child. He truly showed me what it means to respect myself and be the confident, mature, and happy woman I am today. So I'm glad you're doing well, Marilee, and thanks for writing in. And thanks to everybody who's written in to us. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media outlets, including every single one of our blog posts, videos, and podcasts, there's one place to go, and it's StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, 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 oh,